sat at the beach for a long time to the point where my mum was really close to coming and getting me. She texted me saying, please, can you come home now? Because I just wanted to be by myself. And the, the first time I cried was when I saw my dad. Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional now. I saw my dad at the front door and I just sort of crumpled into his arms. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line, and I'm Sarah Beckett. I'm Sarah Beckett, I play for Gloucester Hartbury in England. I play in the back five between second row and back row, mainly number eight in the back row. I would say I'm a pretty powerful carrier, hopefully make some big shots in defence as well. Somebody who plays in the back five is quite disciplined, hardworking, works hard for other people on the team and puts their head in places probably other people don't want to put it. I think I was quite a relatively quiet child. I got a twin sister. She was more boisterous than I was in terms of personality-wise. I think I can be quite reserved sometimes, so I think as a child I was quite reserved and shy, but I was competitive as well. I had an old brother who I was very competitive with when it came to sports and he's the one that sort of got me into rugby in terms of going to watch him at the rugby club and telling my dad I wanted to go and convincing my parents that I wanted to go play rugby. I grew up in a place called Crosby, which is in Liverpool. It's right on the beach, which I love going to all the time. It's my favourite place to be, down at the beach at home. My grandma lived next door. I went to see my grandma quite a lot, and it's relatively quiet. It gets busy at the weekends when the weather's nice at the beach, but it's 20 minutes from the centre of Liverpool, so really accessible to town, so there's plenty to do. But it's quite a place where people know each other, and my mum's growing up there, my grandma lived there, so quite a lot of people know our family and in around the rugby club especially. The story that my dad always tells me is that he took me down um, for my first training session or like first, I can't remember if it was a training session or game and it was obviously tag rugby at that point and I don't think I quite grasped the concept of tag rugby because I'd been watching my brother play contact rugby and I apparently just ran as hard as I could into a poor boy who was in front of me who toppled as soon as I ran into him. Rugby was always in and around my family. Obviously, my brother played, my dad played, and my mum's family was always involved. Like My granddad was the president of the rugby club, and that's where my mum and dad met, so it's pretty integral to my family life. I think I stuck at it because it was the only thing I was half decent at, but um, I played all sports when I was a kid. I played cricket, rugby, football, rounders, athletics, anything I could do. And being from Liverpool, everybody played football. I loved football, but I just unfortunately wasn't very good at it. Rugby was a place where I would say I found my calling and it's where I felt most myself. My parents divorced when I was seven and I think rugby gave me a bit of an outlet. I'm not very good at expressing my emotions and I keep a lot inside and I think rugby allowed me to express those emotions and it's where like emotions come out and they're celebrated because you can be aggressive and you're allowed to be aggressive. Not that I wanted to be overly aggressive, but it's, it's celebrated and I wanted to just do my best for the team and it was a place where I felt like I had a real sense of community. In 2022, I was hoping to be selected to go to the squad, to go to New Zealand, the big tournament out there. We were all in training camp. We had um, warm-up games for the big tournament, and um, I wasn't actually meant to play in either of those warm-up games. I've missed out on selection for both of those, and then one of the girls had got injured in the week, and I'd managed to get onto the bench for the second game. So I saw that as my opportunity to try and like have one last crack at trying to get selected for that. 
and I'm somebody who likes to do things by themselves in terms of if there's going to be difficult news or there's something that is important to me and I had a bit of a feeling that I probably wasn't going to make it um, and we'd been asked how we wanted to find out whether we'd been included or not. So I'd opted for a text message before team selection came out to say if I wasn't going. So I went down to the beach and sat there because it's where I like to think. And I got a text message. I think the window was from like half six to seven o'clock for your text message if you weren't going. And it got to probably quarter to seven. So at this point, I'm nervous. I'm thinking I haven't had a text message yet. I have I pulled through like and I got my text message as soon as I saw Mid's name come up on my phone. And I knew what that text message was. And I didn't cry initially. I just sort of sat at the beach and thought about everything that had gone before. Obviously, you'd be, we'd been in training camp for months. It had been really, really tough. And I just thought about everything that that meant to me. And I think the thing I dreaded most was having to tell everybody and having to go and face everybody. I sat at the beach for a long time to the point where my mum was really close to coming and getting me. She texted me saying, please, can you come home now? Because I just wanted to be by myself. And the, the first time I cried was when I saw my dad. Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional now. I saw my dad at the front door and I just sort of crumpled into his arms. Um, and it was really tough. And I tried to hide from as many people as possible. People ask, like, as in they knew that tournament was coming up and people are just generally really excited for you and obviously want the best for you and they're so interested and I just couldn't face people. I couldn't go to my favourite coffee shop. I avoided my grandma for three days because I couldn't look her in the eyes and tell her that I just wasn't good enough at that time. It was really difficult, but I genuinely feel like everything happens for a reason and I had to go through that experience for some reason and I'm not entirely, entirely sure of the reason yet, but I feel like coming out this side of it and it was really quite dark time. I'm really grateful for Mohan in that time. Obviously, I moved to club as well, so it's probably a pretty turbulent time. But Mo was amazing. Obviously, she'd missed out on it as well, and we were probably really good for each other in terms of being able to know exactly what each other had gone through. It was really difficult, and it sort of sounds ridiculous to people who don't understand because like, it's just a tournament, it's just, it's just a game. But when you've dedicated your life to this, and to me, it was thinking about what everybody else had sacrificed to put me in a position to try and do that, and... It was just difficult during that time. I just found it, the whole thing, incredibly difficult. My way of healing was to get straight back into rugby. Obviously, you believe in yourself, so you think, like, why have I not made it? And you want to sort of prove people wrong a little bit. So I went out and played as well as I could in the cup. And I think the difficult thing was you had to stay fit and you had to stay in rugby in case the phone went. The next day after the selection came out, that was your time and you got your phone call as to why you didn't make the squad. And they asked if somebody goes down, do you want to be called? Do you still want to be considered? And like to have to make that decision to say, I'm absolutely devastated. Like you've devastated me, but I'm still committed to this team and still want to see them do well. And I can do anything I can. If I need to come out, I'll come out. So yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, but I'm through it. And I think those emotions will stay with me forever. And I think that experience will make me stronger as a person empathising with other teammates if they miss out on selection or knowing how to cope with myself when I'm in a dark time, I think it's very valuable to me. My relationship with mental health has always been quite positive. I think I've always, always had pretty decent mental health in terms of I haven't really struggled with depression or anxiety. And through that time, I definitely did get anxious and I didn't know 
that you, you spend your life dedicating yourself to this and for somebody to say you're not good enough to go to this tournament that you've worked your whole life to go for and the self-doubt that comes in is absolutely massive and I think I just thought what's the point of doing it if I'm not getting to where I want to go and if I'm not going to be good enough now am I going to be good enough ever and earlier on in life like my dad probably wouldn't have wanted to talk about mental health or really known like what to say. I think my dad was so adamant that he wanted me to go and speak to somebody, even if it wasn't a family member, just to express your emotions, because I am quite an internalised person in terms of dealing with stuff internally, and I don't like to speak to many people about my emotions or how I'm feeling. Actually learning that that's a really positive thing and being able to express to people who you can sort help from. And yeah, I think it was super important to learn that lesson and going forwards, I would never hesitate to ask for help with mental health. And I think that's been a massive learning curve for me as well. Playing rugby was always my escape as a child. And I think I found that again. I obviously went back, I went back to a new club where nobody knew me and felt like it was a time where, obviously they did know me, but as in people didn't know me. They just knew me to compete against because I played at Harlequins against them. And I felt like rugby was going to give me a place to escape to in terms of it wasn't with England rugby, it was with Gloucester, but it was a place where I could feel free again and build new relationships and be focused on something else other than the tournament that the rest of the girls were at. I actually blocked out most of the noise from the tournament. I didn't really watch. I only watched the final. Jess Breach was obviously at the tournament and she probably didn't have the experience that she wanted at that tournament and being able to reach out for each other. My friend, Emma Sword, who I was really friendly with at Harlequins, she plays at Ealing now. She was a massive source for me, obviously. Most of my friends were at the tournament, so that was tough in itself. And then obviously moving to a new place. I moved in with my brother. I lived in his spare room and he looked out for me. I think he only saw me cry once and he said, it's a bit of a relief to see you cry because like, I've not really known what to do or what to say. Honestly, just the most amount of credit to the group of girls at Gloucester and the coaches at Gloucester. They didn't owe me anything, didn't know me. And they came in, they welcomed me with open arms. They allowed me to feel my emotions. They allowed me to have a bad day. But actually being around the group made me more happy. I liked being around people. I didn't want to think about the tournament. I didn't want to think about what I was missing out on. And I was focused on what we were creating at Gloucester and to be able to get in there and really get together with the circus as it's known and to become part of that. And I feel like I got inducted pretty heavily into that. So, yeah, it was fun. Back towards Morgan. Beckett has it. She can see the line. Beckett! Sarah Beckett scores. I'm Holly Hitchison, and I play for Bristol Bears and England. Sarah Beckett on pitch is aggressive, is dynamic, is a really intelligent rugby player. I don't think people realise how talented she is and how intelligent of a rugby brain she is, as well as being confrontational um, and having all the assets of like incredibly world-class forward. But yeah, she's one of the best people. I'm Ellie Kildon and I play currently with Harlequins and the Red Roses. Beckett off the pitch. She just makes me laugh. She's so funny, so unapologetically herself, which rocks. And on the pitch, probably the scariest person to tackle ever, 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 ever. And if she breaks the line, I seriously grip my teeth and think, here we go. But she's she's so skillful. Um, I think Beckett's had a few like setbacks and I'm so proud that she's still turning up the way that she is. 
She's just a really, really well-rounded player that you want on your team and you don't want to be playing against. In the wide shadows, it's Sarah Beckett. She spotted a gap, looking to try and find a flyer. Benner back to Beckett. The one-two combination. Sarah Beckett rewards Costa Harbury's early defensive effort with a try after three minutes. The class out wide. Just because we're athletes doesn't mean we don't struggle with body confidence issues or anything else that anybody else struggles with. And I've always been a bigger person. I'm tall and broad and I'm bigger in the way that I'm set. And it's what helps me do my job. And it's what helps me do my job effectively. I think it's a relationship that is so up and down. It's like a roller coaster. And we were actually having a conversation in camp the other day about what averages are. And basically none of us fit the average size for a woman in the UK. We were all bringing it up. My focus has been shifted to actually appreciating what my body does for me and not what it looks like. And obviously it can be more effective, it can be more efficient, and to do that it might have to change the way it looks and I'm committed to that. But I'm never gonna have a six pack, it's not the way I'm built. I'm never gonna be skinny, 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 it's just not the way I'm built. Just having people around who appreciate your body in terms of appreciates what it does instead of how it looks. That's not to say I can do that all the time. Sometimes I get up and I think, oh God, I'm not looking good today or whatever. But yeah, just trying to f focus on how my body moves and how my body feels and how it serves what I need it to do is definitely been a shift for me. I think growing up, I was always obviously bigger and I was playing rugby and whatever else. And that was a novel idea to some people and some people didn't like that. And I received backlash for stuff like that at school. It's an ever-changing relationship, but it's one that I'm trying to get on top of because I think it's important. And I just think at the end of the day, if people are going to abuse you, then that's sad for them, isn't it? They've, they've got nothing better to do with their lives. But at the end of the day, my life is pretty great. I'm playing elite-level rugby and I really enjoy doing what I do and my body can do that, so... I'm, I'm really close to my family. So I have an older brother, Charlie, who plays professional rugby as well. He's just got back from Australia um, playing rugby over there. He's played for Gloucester and Leicester and then Amptill Jersey in the championship. So yeah, he's been a great source of inspiration for me, just seeing how hard he works and being able to try and replicate that really. My dad, he played rugby at Waterloo where Charlie and I started and that's where he met my mum and he's been a massive driver. He was my coach from about 13 maybe. He's great for that and we always used to watch rugby together and we'd never watch a rugby game and just watch. We'd always watch a rugby game and pause it and talk about what was going on and talk about who's affecting this phase or why they've done that and why that knocks on to two phases later and stuff like that. So I do give a lot of credit to him for my rugby brain, which I think is one of my better attributes as a rugby player. My mum, she's fantastic. She's a nurse in A&E, so she does a really tough job and she's been amazing at supporting me through everything. When my dad was off coaching my brother, she'd be taking me around the country and I've got a twin sister called Kate. She's unreal. She's such a massive supporter of me and I think because Charlie and I have been playing rugby, Kate had to give up a lot to allow us to succeed at what we were doing and I think that sometimes flies under the radar that she wasn't always able to do what she wanted to do because we were taking precedence at the weekends in terms of mum and dad carting us about and taking us around the country so I actually think she sacrificed quite a lot as a kid to allow Charlie and I to try and be as best as we can at rugby but she's my biggest supporter.
And then my grandma comes to as many games as she can and I'm really tight with my grandma. We're like best friends and I make sure to text her all the time. We've been on a couple of holidays, just us. So yeah, she's class and they all live within about five minutes of each other at home. So it's really helpful when I go home that I can see everybody. My name's Kate Beckett and I'm Sarah Beckett's twin sister. Whatever she wanted to do, she could do really. She always played rugby from when she was very young. And rugby wasn't a big thing then, so Sarah playing rugby was kind of not the norm for a girl to be playing rugby. And it definitely had its challenges for her in school, which I think probably attributed to her being quite shy. Being in the position she's in has brought her out of her shell so much. She's changed a lot as we've got older, but in a good way. Like selection, no matter what, is a worrying time. Sarah was at home when she found out. I'd taken my dog for a walk and I got in the car to drive back home and Sarah drove towards me in the car. Her face was just like fixed. Like she didn't notice me. She didn't notice my car. She didn't know it was me. And she was just in this, just looking forward, like blank. It was so difficult to watch the other half of me be so heartbroken by something she worked so hard for and hadn't got. I knew she had confidence would take a knock and there was a part of me that wondered if she'd want to do it anymore. And I really hoped she did because it's what, for me, it's what she's made to do. It's what she's always wanted to do. And watching her gives me so much joy. But I just watched her just completely recommit to this is my job. This is what I love. This is what I'm going to do. I am good at it. Sarah, for a long time, has had to prove people wrong. I think she just realised I've done it before and I'm going to do it again. It's the proudest moment in the world. I can't even describe it. To watch your loved ones sing the anthem in an England shirt. For a point, we didn't know whether she'd do that again. So to watch her do it again, love it again, show people she's good at it, it's just been incredible. I think it's taken her a long time to be comfortable to just be her. And there's a lot of people looking at you. There's a lot of people expecting you to be a certain way. And I think watching her come from when we were at school and me feeling like I had to stick up for her, people were calling her names or for playing rugby or just for being a bit broader or taller or just these things that make her so her and so beautiful and so strong and athletic and just watching her be unapologetically her is the thing that makes me the proudest. I wouldn't be here without those people. These people have been so important to my journey and whether it's been emissions from age group things. So I got not selected for the under 20s twice and just them helping me get through that sort of phase and keeping me on the right track. And then my dad obviously coached at my first premiership club, which was Waterloo, and he really allowed the section there to thrive and he did so much unseen stuff to allow us to have a club there and a team there and keep running for as long as we did. And then, yeah, just everybody's... Everybody's great. I love my family so much. <laughs> my name is Mark Beckett and I'm Sarah's father. Sarah was more reserved than Kate. She was quieter. would take her time before she like opened up to people. Ruby was kind of like given to her when she was a very young child and probably forced fed to her <laughs> when she liked it or not. It's allowed her to become a more rounded person you know she's she's very good as a teammate i think it's given her an ability to understand others and express herself somewhat i think she also understands how things don't go as planned you know you, you set a plan uh, it might not go down the route that you think it's going to go and the ability to adapt she's a different person on the pitch i think she's quite aggressive on the pitch but off the pitch she's very caring very thoughtful and always thinks of others before herself She's a better athlete than people give her credit for. She's incredibly powerful, um, but she's also quick for somebody as, as big as her. She's very skillful. She has a lot of other softer skills. Her handling is very good. 
probably a great strength is her rugby brain. She's very knowledgeable about the game. She sees things developing and can anticipate what's happening on the pitch. And she sees things that maybe other people don't. We're all very proud of the family of her, you know. She leaves everything on the pitch. She's very fair. She understands both sides again the what they're trying to do and what she's trying to do. She plays the game in the right way. She's tough but fair. And I think that's the way she is in life, that she's fair in life and she continues that. And she's a very kind person and she, you know, she always thinks of others. So Kate and I were born at 29 weeks, so basically three months early. And my mum had preeclampsia, which was pretty, pretty seriously turned into eclampsia. And she was very close to not making it. She'd been in hospital for a long while before we came, I think. Kate and I were born early. I spent the first month of my life in ICU in Liverpool Women's Hospital and Kate spent two months in the hospital there. So I went home before Kate did, which I think was really tough on my family, having to bring one baby home and then go and visit another one in the hospital. But I was born at three pounds and Kate was born at two pounds and Kate dropped to one pound, I think. So she was, she was quite sick when, when we were born. Mum did the marathon a couple of years after we were born and Kate decided that she wanted to do something. So I actually got asked for one of my shirts so that they could put it up in the unit for families coming in to visit their babies to just show people that even if you're born early or you're having to spend some time in the ICU before you can go home, that you can be successful in whatever field you want. So that was a massive honour for me to be able to have my shirt up there with a little plaque telling the families who I was, um, how early I was born and what I was doing basically in a little picture of me. And then Kate decided she wanted to run the marathon like mum. And we're not natural runners in my family, I'll tell you that for free. So yeah, it was amazing what she did. She raised an incredible amount of money for a cause that is really close to our hearts and it's important to be able to give back. And I think Kate felt like she really wanted to do that. And yeah, I couldn't run a marathon for it, so. <laughs> I love being a Red Rose. This is what we work for and the environment that we are in and have created is very competitive. And we know that it's not always gonna be plain sailing because of how competitive it is. I came in with a mindset in the Six Nations that I was just going to be me. If people didn't like me, it wasn't going to get worse than it had been. If people didn't like the way I was playing, it wasn't going to get worse. I'd gone to the bottom. I'd, I'd been dropped. I hadn't been wanted, per se, in that squad. And it was only going to be either not wanted again or I was wanted and I was going to get an opportunity to play. So either way, it was going to be fine because I'd been there or it was going to be good because I was playing. I was ready to step up and take my opportunity and I felt like I did take my opportunity. I felt like I performed as well as I could and yeah I just loved being back in a white shirt I loved being at home games and seeing the support and being able to soak in what we've created as a group because we're creating this fan base and we're creating this atmosphere in stadiums that is electric and it's just amazing to be part of and then the cherry on top was to be able to be part of that French game at Twickenham 58 and a half thousand people there like never in my wildest dreams that I ever think that I'd play in front of that many people at the home of English rugby and you know we're very ambitious we want to fill it now so I think just being able to play in that game and obviously get the win just about at the end. So yeah, it was fantastic and I was just enjoying being back in a white shirt. I think before then I'd probably felt a bit too much pressure or I'd put too much pressure on myself to try and perform. I didn't feel like I could ever translate my club form into my international form and I think in the Six Nations because I let go of that pressure and I just allowed myself to be me and decide if they like it then great and if not I'm, I'm not going any further back than I was and that pressure came off and I just allowed myself to play a bit more freely and felt like I enjoyed myself. <laughs> 